Hey, welcome back to The Sound Table. I'm your host, Austin, and I'm joined by your co-host, Miranda. Hello. Today is episode 10, and we have a super special guest. We're going to be talking to Sabrina Sidman, aka Sides. You're probably familiar with her content on TikTok and Instagram. She is the queen of short-form production content right now, and I am super excited to chat with her. This was such a fun conversation. We chat a little bit about her transition from being a cruise ship performer and a session vocalist into doing production after COVID struck and she was out of a job. We also talk a little bit about how she got into short form content creation, why she got into it and how she's found success. She's grown a TikTok and an Instagram now over 100,000 followers each in just a couple of years. She posts every single day and she is absolutely killing it. So if you've ever wondered how to get your short form content to pop off, how to grow your social following and how to just be a genuinely good person person in the industry. I can't wait for you to hear this episode because we dive into all of that. So let's go ahead and hop in. Please welcome Sides. We are here with Sabrina, aka Sides. You've probably seen her popping around all on Instagram and TikTok. She's doing amazing content everywhere. She is a fantastic producer and an even better educator. And we're super, super excited to have you. So thank you so much for taking time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I think just to introduce yourself to our audience or people who may not be familiar, would you mind just taking a minute to kind of tell us who you are, what you do, kind of how you got started and where you're at in your current career? Yeah. So my name is Sides, a.k.a. Sabrina. I'm a singer, songwriter, producer, and now kind of a content creator and educator. Um, I started as a singer. So I graduated from Berkeley in 2012. And I just wanted to sing at that time. That was all I wanted to do. And then I ended up getting a job singing on cruise ships. So I sang on cruise ships for a while in the house band. Then I um, finished that, moved to New York City. And then I was singing in a bunch of cover bands. I ended up building um, a show that was meant to go on cruise ships, a girl group show, spent so much blood, sweat, tears, money building this show with two other women. And of course, you know, we had gigs booked and then COVID happened and we never even went on the ship. So I was stuck at home, miserable, you know, feeling like a total loser. And then I see an ad on Facebook. Thank God they were listening. (laughs) to my pity. (laughs) Um, Learn how to produce in 30 days. I was like, this is stupid. I graduated from Berkeley. I never really cared about production. But I clicked on the ad anyways because I was like, what the heck? Clicked on the ad. There was a sale. So I was like, I can afford 75 bucks for this class, right? Took the class, became obsessed. And then the rest is history. (laughs) It started. That's a pretty recent journey as a producer yeah. then. So you're, because I think I read on your website, I was reading your about, and I read about you being, um, you know, kind of like a, a cruise performer and being like a session vocalist and things like that. I, de- I guess I didn't realize how recent the switch to production was. So that's yeah. amazing with the quality stuff that you're kind of pumping out consistently. Thank you so that's, much. that's really, really wild. Thank you so much. I mean, I always like to tell people you're not starting from complete scratch when you're getting into production. You get to bring all of your life experiences before you. So, you know, yes, I was completely new to producing and logic, but I had been arranging vocals for this show that was like very meticulous. Every second we were jumping around and it was, you know, it was pretty intense. So I had that experience and then I had been singing in cover bands for 10 years. So I know like the top 200 songs that people want to listen to over and over again, those timeless songs have timeless arrangements. So Mm -hmm. I'm able to bring that to my production. So, you know, 
if you're if you're a guitar player or a drummer, you can bring that to your production skills. So you're never really starting from scratch. So yeah, that's a super good point because like. I guess I've never really put that into perspective, even for myself, is I grew up kind of playing an instrument. And so when I started producing, I kind of naturally gravitated towards that. But you do just kind of like intrinsically know these things about music and arrangement. And like, even if you don't know theory, you kind of understand the theory as it happens in your head. And so, yeah, I mean, that makes total sense is how you were able to just dive in. It sounds like you were already dialed in creatively and you just needed to kind of learn the the technical aspects of getting it into a computer. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was once I learned how to program a drum beat, and I realized, for some reason, I thought drums were just like rocket science. I, I don't know why. I was like, there's just right. no way. <laughs> once I learned how to do that, and I was like, that's it? I just have to put the kick on like one and three and the snare and two and four and the hi-hats on every, like, I'm good. You yep. know what I mean? <laughs> like, I can exactly. do anything. Possibilities are endless. Like, game on. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you ever would have made that transition naturally had it not been for COVID kind of putting a complete halt on your performance? Like, did you ever see yourself going down the production route and kind of working in that lane? Or did you, were you just kind of dead set on being a performer and being an, an artist and a vocalist? No way. I never thought that I would do production. And I really don't think it would have happened for me if COVID didn't happen. I was on my entrepreneur path because I was building this girl group with the idea of building it as like a production company, not music production, but a production company where we would hire a bunch of different girls and the shows would go out. Cause I knew, I know I'm good at sales just like right. by myself. And then I, I knew mm -hmm. I was good with understanding cruise ships and I, I understood that market. So I was on my path with that. So had COVID not happened, I probably would have been more successful with that venture that I had already invested in so much time and money so I wouldn't have had the time or energy or the want or the desire to like right. jump into the DAW. But looking back, this is so much better because as much as I love performing, like with that gig, I had to run around the world and I had to work with a bunch of different girls. And here, what I would have made like all week on a cruise, I can make one day in my house. <laughs> No. Yeah, right. that's Be awesome. Because you're a freelancer and you have multiple streams of income, right? So you're doing sponsored content all the time on socials. Yeah. You have like courses and, and paid content that you sell. And then uh, are you also doing like a bunch of freelance work as like a producer songwriter? Yeah, so I do a lot of work with like sample packs and stuff because I mm. am a singer, songwriter, because I have like that, like it's very valuable for companies to hire me as a, you know, because I could do vocals and the whole package, right? So sure. I do a yeah. lot of sample packs, which is a huge market that people don't really like think about. Like I've been mm -hmm. getting paid pretty well to make these. And then I was doing a lot of session singing where I was like selling vocals to Australia and Scotland, you know, everywhere. So there was that. And then I still sometimes sing gigs in Vegas, but I've right. kind of prioritized, um, you know, building up my products because you know, as you know, like selling your own products, you get complete control. It's the most yeah. gratifying when like people buy, you know, directly from you. And right. yeah, I just try to prioritize that. And then also working with music tech companies because I got to learn and especially like building up my studio, I've been able to, you know, get a bunch of gear in exchange for content or also getting paid for content because it's a user-generated market right now. So right. brands are really putting into putting money into those that can like help sell their products. And most of the product, I mean, all of the products that I sponsor are products that I know and love already, you yeah. know? So it's like... Same thing here. Yeah, it's so great because like 
we get to work with these brands and it's so nice that the brands are actually supporting artists. So it's kind of like a full circle because I'm able to to sell these products and to work with brands. I now can create so much music for me without the pressure of having to, you know, get fans. Not to say that it's not impossible for someone to want to be an artist. That was just, I tried that when I was younger and I hated it. Just the grind was just like not for me. It wasn't the hill I wanted to die on. So I was just, okay, I wanted to figure out a way that I can create music all the time, but still be able to make a really good living. Right. And well, one of the best things too with, you know, like having the paid courses and having those things is it's not necessarily passive income because you still have to make it and then you still have to market it and promote it. But it's like when you're on a cruise ship or when you're performing, you're getting paid for your hours that you're there and that's pretty much it. But like once you have a course and that course is made, whether you sell it 50 times or 500 times, it's not much more effort one way or the other. And I've found that, especially with us too, it frees up a lot of time and a lot of space when we have products that can make us money every single day without us focusing time on that. And then we can do other things as well. So do you feel like, kind of combining those different streams of income with the kind of freedom of being a freelancer has kind of just provided you the opportunity to even dive into things creatively that you wouldn't have done? Yes, of course. And it's cool because like everything I'm doing is still sparking some sort of creativity. As you know, like you never feel like you're at the finish line, right? You never feel like you can celebrate. Even if you have a course that like, sells a hundred in a day. You're just like, cool, let's go to the next thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think the creativity ever stops. I don't know if it's like the, oh, wow, it's like my saving grace where I can just like move to the woods and just like write an album. <laughs> like, right. You know, so it's kind of like a balance. I will say it's like, it's been a funny road to get to this point because it's kind of like one of those things like, my brother said like he would never eat bacon. And then of course he eats bacon all the time. And I said, when I first graduated from Berkeley, I'll never sing in cover bands. I'll only, you know, sing my own music. And then what do you know? I ended up making a long career out of singing in cover bands. And when I first started education stuff, I was like, I hate these courses. Like they're so lame. I'll never make courses. I'll just do live classes. And for a long time, I was just doing live classes But then so many people like really wanted the course, the recorded course. And so I made it because that's the demand. So it's just weird kind of stuff. Like, Well, that's kind of the beauty too of your journey is like, like you've just kind of said, you're kind of making things that people are already asking for, which I think takes a lot of the guesswork out of doing stuff like paid content is, you know, we had kind of a similar story where we had a Facebook group and people were seeing a lot of stuff that I was producing. And most of the sample packs and the courses and the things that we've done, they were asking for. So it's a lot easier for us to kind of like then put that out and kind of passively promote it and not have to drive it home because people kind of already wanted it. So that's good on you for being able to already kind of have that cornered. Thank you. Yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, especially knowing that like my classes, I think like really help people. I know people can be like very picky. And luckily I haven't had any bad reviews at all for my social media class. Like that one, I not even one person like wrote to me wow, like, that's awesome. oh, like I don't think it was worth it. But so I just feel like it's been really helpful. Like it's it's been really eye-opening for me because... I've just been able to like help people and help people on something like with social media that a lot of musicians really hate. Even, even I myself used to hate social media, but it Mm -hmm. has so, it has totally changed my career. So just prioritizing that alone has been like such a gateway for me for so many opportunities. 
So I think just like really kind of like inspiring and motivating other creator or musicians to like kind of prioritize that alongside their skills has been really fun to watch. Honestly, I saw that you were doing the courses and I was like, this makes so much sense because I think that we're kind of in this market where anybody can make music now, you can make it from any bedroom. But with that, I think there have been people who have kind of abused the uh, low barrier of entry and have, you know, done things like make courses where they might not be quite qualified, but you're making all of these courses with things that you've actually done. And I think that that says a lot because quick little aside, congratulations for hitting a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. That's crazy. <laughs> That's you. a wild number. Thank yeah, that's crazy. And so it makes sense that somebody that is putting out Instagram reels and TikToks and they're working with the biggest audio companies in the world makes a course. So I'm glad you were able to, you know, like you said, you've only been producing now for what, two and a half years? Mm, Two years. That's a, yeah, that's a really quick, like skyrocket. And even social media, like I, I've only prioritized, I started prioritizing Instagram like last year. I think I had like 6,000 followers on Instagram last year that were mostly like spill over from TikTok. And then Mm -hmm. to go from like 6,000 to 100,000 and it really is a strategy and Mm -hmm. it's possible, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's something I actually did want to dive into. So you don't have to give everything away because I know that you do have content on this and you have a course that, you know, you have to keep some value in that. But, you know, I've I've heard you say many times on your Instagram and on your TikTok that one of the biggest things for you is consistency. I think that you literally just posted something that's like, if you post constantly, the algorithm will reward you. So I would love to kind of hear what your journey was like, figuring out how to kind of crack that algorithm, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. If, would you mind just taking us through a little yeah, bit of the trial and error? for sure. I mean, the main thing to think about is... It's never about, you know, how many people see your video. It's about who sees your video. So, so Mm. many people have been chasing virality and that's, that's just not the answer, right? Because if you go viral for, you know, sharing your dog or whatever, like that, that's not going to help, you know, that's not going to help your goals. Wouldn't it be better if only like, you know, less people, like if if one of my videos only get like 2000 views, but it's for a class and a hundred of those people buy my class, that's way better than getting a million, you know, streams, I mean, views on a video of my dog, just like being funny. Right Now, if it was a video of my dog producing a song, that (laughs) might be different, right? So it's, it's kind of like that. So I think like the main thing is like people, you know, like, yes, like the numbers look cool and stuff like that, but it's, it's that I have a target audience and I've created a really target audience and that is what has value, right? So that's why all those audio companies want to work with me because these are, these are producers that want to learn and want to geek out about gear and talk about Logic Pro tips and fight about which DAW is better, right? That's my audience. <laughs> Where, right. Whereas like, you know, so it's it's different. Like there's people that have way more followers than me that haven't been able to monetize. Time and time again, people come to me and they email me with like millions of followers. Like, how have you been able to monetize? You know, because with my course, like I've sold so many copies and I've, I didn't do any paid promo. I only just experimented with paid promo like two days ago. And I did way better just doing my own videos than paying for promo. Yeah. So... I think like, I think that's the thing is like, you need to focus on 
not about how many people see your video, but who sees your video. And then Mm -hmm. as far as staying consistent, like there's a million reasons to stay consistent, right? Like, yes, for the algorithm, because the algorithm, these apps are free. These apps are free apps and they want people to use them. So if you're creating good content for them on the regular, they're going to reward you by pushing your content. Like, why wouldn't they, Mm -hmm. you know? And then the other thing is, this is a new skill. People don't realize, like, just how you learn how to mix, master, sing, talk on stage, whatever, making content, presenting content for the right audience is a skill. And the more you practice doing it, the better you're going to get. So if you post once a day, you're going to get better. I'm sure you've seen like with your own YouTube videos, what you did three years ago or however long you've been in the game has quite radically changed because now that's a new skill. And that's another reason why it's helped me to become a full-time music creator because now I have so many skills. Like I'm not just a singer. I'm not just a producer. I'm not just a songwriter. I'm also a content creator. I'm also a director. I'm also a copywriter. I'm also like, I know how to build a business. So the more skills you have to offer and you have to package to people, the more valuable you become as a whole. So it's so much better to be like well-rounded instead of just being a really great, you know, songwriter. 100%. And like you said, I think it's really important that you have content that's educational and it's free and it's engaging because not only is your stuff really educational, but it's also entertaining. But then again, there's kind of a follow through because I also have a lot of people ask the question of like, oh, well, I make videos, but I'm not able to monetize them. It's like, well, how are you going to monetize them? There's no way for people to support you after they've gone through that video. So I think you kind of having that, you know, built in, I I don't love the word, but like a built-in kind of natural funnel where people can be like, oh, I like this. I'm going to follow them. Oh, I like following them. I'm going to go check out their paid stuff. Oh, I'm going to do a live seminar. That's how you turn one view into a couple hundred dollars. And I think that not enough people kind of pay attention to that Yeah, because there's a really good authentic way to do it. There's a bunch of non-authentic sketchy ways to do it, (laughs) but it really sounds like you're you're kind of taking advantage of providing value. And I think it's like, it could be for anyone. Like, yes, educational content has like a, an easier kind of clear route. But, you know, even if you're trying to be an artist, right? Like you want to focus on one true fan a day. So if you make a video showcasing a song, maybe over like for, I always use this example. Like if you want to open up for SZA or you, you're a SZA type artist, you know, you strip down her music and you say, this is what it would sound like if I had a verse on SZA's song. And then if people right. like that, they're going to be like, oh, I, I want more music like SZA. You know, SZA hasn't released something recently. So let me go check out your music. And then they're like, oh my gosh, I really like this music. Now you have a fan, right? So you want to focus on fans. Like, again, like followers are cool. A lot of them are your fans, but they're not all your fans, right? So Mm -hmm. like you need to get those like true fans. And then once you have enough true fans, like you can sustainably live off them. Yeah. 100%. That's a really good example too, because I think it just shows like how simple in concept this can really be like something like doing an open verse challenge right if you're an artist over a similar artist that's going to lead to a lead to a lot more engagement rather than just doing like oh here is b-roll of us shooting a music video it's like that's cool for the people that already like you but people that don't like you are not going to care about that they're just going to be like whatever and so it's cool that you've kind of implemented ways to do that in production and in songwriting and even with presenting things like a lot of the paid content that you do. So I do want to focus a little bit on um, some of the like advertisement stuff that you've done because I've seen you kind of crushing on that. Do you remember the first company that reached out to you to do some sponsored content? Um, Let's see. So a lot of companies... Okay, so here's the trick with sponsored content. You, you want to try to wait as long as possible before you monetize. Because like, especially when you're first starting out, because again, you want to build true fans and 
for me at the beginning stages, like I wasn't that impressed by like 75 bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. I turned down a lot of stuff in the early days of TikTok, right? Because it used to be my TikTok was my main, my main bag or, you know, right. my main thing. So I turned down a lot of stuff. I think like one of the first, so basically what, what, what happened in my personal life kind of changed. So I, I was in a situation where I didn't really have to be motivated by money and I was able to just create, which obviously is like great. So like anytime you guys, anyone listening out there can create that kind of time for yourself that you can either live off savings or, you know, stay with your parents or something where you can just really focus on building your business for six months. So, mm-hmm. so basically, I didn't monetize my TikTok for like six months, like six to nine months. I can't remember the exact time. Then my personal situation changed. I got, you know, I got dumped. <laughs> and Aww. then I had to, and then instead of splitting rent, so I now had to, you know, pay like three times as much for rent as I was paying yeah. before. And I was like, all right, it's time to, it's time to pull to do some things. And I really believe in attract, don't chase. So, I was just kind of like, I'm going to figure this out, whatever. And then I got an email from Focusrite and they were doing some campaign, which is actually on YouTube if you guys want to see it. But yeah, they were doing something. They brought a crew from LA to my house in Vegas. We did this whole thing. I was like so nervous. And it was like a really big, without giving out like the numbers exactly, it was a pretty big, you know, payday for me. And yeah. So that was one of the, the first like big ones. That's so cool. I think that's a good idea as well for anybody who's listening to this, even as like a producer who might think, right now I'm just doing collaborations. I don't know what to charge. Is I see so many people that start charging a little bit early, whether that's for sponsored content or production clients or whatever. Once you set that kind of initial rate, it gets harder and harder and harder to convince a brand to pay you more the next time, right? So like if you would have taken those $75 offers in your first couple months because you had a couple TikToks pop off here and there, then now that you have 100,000 followers and now that you're selling your courses and now that you've got all of these people who not only follow you but are actually subscribed and fans of you, it's going to be so hard to then convince that company like, oh, I know that we did this for $75 less than a year ago, but now it's 2000 Yeah. It's just like there's not a good way to have that conversation. So if you can just wait until you have... I say the same thing with people signing to labels. Like wait until you have a little bit of leverage. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the brand's... Like you're doing so much for the brands, right? Because like, for instance, like it that was a that was a big production, but like let's say I'm making a video or an ad for a brand and it's just me. So now they don't have to pay for a location anymore. They don't have to mm-hmm. pay for a cameraman. They don't have to pay for someone to edit it. So you're doing all of that in one. So you need to be like fairly compensated for that. And the better you get mm-hmm. at those things, the more the brand is willing to pay. Right. And then right. also on top of that, like the influence, if you have influence. Then you can, then they could pay, they'll pay for that. But yeah, exactly. Like you have leverage and stuff, but it's a really great market because also a lot of these brands want to work with people that they want to support. So it's kind of a full circle thing. And I like the, the the brands that are good will compensate fairly and they really make you, you know, I, I shout out those brands all the time, just on my own. Like the ones that like, you know, value my time or have shared me and, Cause you know, it's a full, it's a small community, like the music production community. And it's great that they like give back. They don't just hire like big artists or artists with a lot of streams. They want to hire people that are like doing it. And I Mm -hmm. I think it's really cool. That was one thing I almost said earlier was like, you'll see companies like Autotune working with 
tons of, of smaller influencers and people working out of bedrooms and people working off of laptops. And I'll see that much more often doing some kind of auto-tune content or a sponsored video than I'll see somebody that's working out of like NRG Studios using it, which, you know, they're still using it. They're using it just the same. And these are the biggest people in the world working on the biggest records. But that's not, I think companies are starting to realize that they're going after people who are getting into production. There's way more people who are at the first, you know, 50 to 60% of competency than there are people who are working at like mastering suites, doing it at the highest level. And so I think that that's where, you know, people like me and you who were relaying it to people who might be a little bit more intro level, it, there's a lot more value in that because people might not be able to watch something from the top mixer in the world and relate to that if yeah. they're completely new to this. And, and I yeah, also that. think like these companies have done a really good job making production more inclusive. And yes. this mm -hmm. is why it's like the best time to be a producer because they've made these plugins so easy to use, like very clear, very easy to use. Um, so they have the hobbyists in mind and they have the singer songwriter in mind. And a company like AutoTune is a really great example because their plugins are very easy to use. Like you can press yep. a couple of buttons and your song has come dramatically better. Right. So I think that's, what's really cool about that. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's such a cool little market that I think not enough people talk about. I think you're probably the first guest that has talked about, uh, paid content. We had Alina Smith from, from Liar. But we didn't even dive into like the paid content and like the strategy and stuff like that. So it's really cool getting to hear your experiences with that and your kind of stories. I know that you do talk a little bit about like doing sync work and, and producing for sync. I'd love to, to dive into that if you're down. Yeah, sure. So like I said, I'm really new to producing, as you know, and I have gotten a few like sync offers. But the main thing, well, first to say, like the main thing about my sync class is I really, I, I was like, I'm really impressed with Josh, um, who did the class with me, and we were trying to think of something to collab with. So I was like, "What are you really good at? What do you like to talk about?" You know. So for me, it's Logic Pro and social media, and for him, it was like sync. So that's why we made that class together. So he's kind of like the forefront of that class, which is really cool because I want to have more collaborations with teachers and stuff that mm -hmm. we can do. You know, I'm really good at. You know drum busing or whatever and we can make a course together where I can give like my perspective as like a newbie and then their perspective as like the expert so that's been something mm -hmm. I've been toying with as far as sync though I have gotten a few you know good things considering that it hasn't been my main priority as of yet and it's all just been from TikTok so one thing I want to mention when people say ask me this question a lot like how do you get sync work or how do you get these gigs with these brands, with these music tech companies. And for me, it, they've all come to me. I've never like spammed anyone or reached out to anyone being like, hey, are you looking for composers? Or, hey, do you, you know, I never do that. They, they come to me and it's because of my content strategy. So I, I like to think of social media like fishing. You put out the bait and then like all the fishes bite. So mm -hmm. had I was trying to prioritize sync, my content would look different, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Because like you said earlier, you're trying to attract, right? You're not trying to promote or you're not trying chase, to... Yeah, I'm not trying to chase after these. And, you know, sometimes I will reach out to a company if I really want to try their plugin or get free, you know, tr do get gear or something. And I'll be like, hey, would you want to, would you be up for an exchange, like gear for content? You know, because right. my rate is, 
is high and they know that. And so a lot of times they'll be like, yeah, sure, here's some plugins and just make a video on it. And it'd be sweet because then I get their plugins. So there's that leverage. And even with still like, I don't post a lot of my own music, you know, I'll show it with the tutorials and stuff. But if I was going for sync, my content would look like, you know, this is what it would sound like if I added music to this commercial. Like, do you prefer the mm-hmm. commercial music or my music, right? Because now mm-hmm. my target audience is sync agents and sync supervisors. And I talk about this in the sync class, kind of like how you can get gigs organically or how you can get gigs come to you. So that's mm-hmm. that's the kind of way I think about it. I love that. Do you think that putting out all of this content and kind of attracting all of these people, have you made a lot of connections in the industry? Because one of the big questions we get with NPM is like, how do I network? How do I meet people? How do I get my name out there? Do you feel like that just kind of has automatically happened as kind of a side thought or have you put a lot of strategic focus into that? I know that you said your kind of main focus is attraction, but do you still have any kind of game plan or is it kind of just naturally flowing? Yeah. I mean, 100%, I've gotten so many amazing connections, you know, from I mean, even from like 14-year-old girls, 14-year-old girls, maybe like messaging me like, thank you so much. I've started producing. Like, who knows? They might they might be the next Grammy-winning producer to right. actually Grammy-winning producers who, you know, haven't continued their education in Logic and they see my Logic Tip videos and they're like, thank you so much. I've been using Logic for 30 years. Like, you've taught me something new that I didn't know. So, you know, and of course, like, I can cash in favors, maybe, if I wanted to, but I I, I just haven't, you know, but it's really just like building these relationships. Like I definitely have, you know, Tommy Ego, I actually bought his book to, you know, do drum progressions, program and drum progressions. And he shares my stuff all the time and messages me like, I love your tips and just stuff like that. There's everybody are on these apps scrolling and looking for cool content. So if you put out stuff that like you enjoy and, you know, a lot of times do you have a shared interest, like you're going to attract those people again. Do I have a game plan for the future? I mean, my main goal is to still like one of something that's really important to me is to make music production and just like working in the music industry more accessible to more people. So that's why I'm really kind of focused on like my school and trying to make it accessible because yes, like even though a lot of people are selling courses, I don't really see people selling courses at the price point that I'm selling it. I only sell classes for like less than 50 bucks, right? 50 bucks and less. And I have sales all the time. So I'm really just trying to like make things more accessible. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you think that because production kind of afforded you this opportunity to have a backup plan when COVID kind of wrecked your performing and your gigging and everything like that. Do you feel like you almost, this is like your way of paying it forward is like making all of this really accessible content because this gave you an opportunity in life that, I mean, COVID could have just absolutely wrecked everything, but being able to produce and kind of having that extra lane, like, do you feel this kind of innate need to kind of give back to the community and kind of make your story heard. So you might be able to inspire somebody who feels like they might have their back up against the wall. I don't think it's like a need. It's just kind of, it's just kind of what I enjoy doing. (laughs) Do you know? Like this is, I've done, you know, I've, I've been at this for a long time, right? I've been doing music for 10 years and I've tried everything from being an artist to this, to that, to that. And none of it really brought me the same joy that brings me when I'm like teaching a class or making content about something I'm geeking out about, right? So mm-hmm. that's kind of something that's just like, maybe it's more selfish than than it sounds. Like it's just what I enjoy doing. No, I don't. No, think I love that. Selfish. I think yeah. that that's the perfect reason because like- Then it's authentic. And yeah. I, you can definitely tell when people do things authentically and when they don't. 
And I think that's why you've been so successful is that everything you do, it sounds to me, it just sounds like you're doing it with being your authentic self and doing it because of what's make it's what makes you happy, not because you're like, oh, this is going to make me money. Yeah, exactly. And the money will come like the money always mm-hmm. comes to the right people, yeah. you know, that put out the work. And that's why I say, like, when you're making content, like you can make content out of anything. You just have to find stuff you like. Like, I didn't like making content about singing. That wasn't fun for mm-hmm. me. I don't care if I can sing the highest or riff the most. Like, it's just yeah. not for me. But but I love talking about like Logic Pro or like music tech stuff and EQ and compressor. Like, I love talking about it because I think I just enjoy it. So you just kind of have to find something you like and then create a business around that. And then you figure out mm-hmm. ways like, oh, I can slowly monetize with this. Like my social media class, like I just experimented. I just like, I would just post like, a live classes on my stories only that like six people would come. And then eventually I just made a couple of different reels and like one weekend I had six live classes all sold out. It was crazy. Wow. Cause like people just like, I'm, I love talking about social media. I love geeking out about social media for musicians particularly. So people Mm -hmm. wanted to learn from me, you know, and logic pro, like same thing about my logic pro tips and stuff. Like I love trying to find like cool little shortcuts and stuff. So people like that. So you know, you just kind of like do what you like and then you find people that also like it and then you figure out a way to monetize. Yeah. <laughs> and also yeah, morally, you know, like I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable selling classes for like maybe one day. I don't know. I don't like to say never, but then then you kind of like exclude a bunch of people, you know? Right. It's good to have options for both. Exactly. And I still try to do like live classes like for free every so often. And I'm going to try to do more like going live and just trying to help as many people as possible, just because I know it will come back to me. It's kind of like that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, like you said, you're building fans, right? You're like building these long-term relationships where anybody could make a course for a thousand dollars and run the right ads and have the right marketing people structure it. And they could sell that, but that doesn't mean that those people who purchase that are going to feel very validated once they've completed it or it's going to actually help them. And I think that it's really important that you're really more so focused on providing the value first and then giving people a way to support you rather than wanting people to support you and then trying to persuade them that there was value somewhere within that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I And I hate I hated those courses that were like selling dreams. And mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, like, selling dreams. And I just, I just didn't like that. And I was like, all right, I only feel comfortable talking about like what I've actually accomplished. And I have reached a hundred K on two channels. So like, I know what I'm doing with social media, you know? Right. And like Logic Pro, like I know Logic Pro Pro really well. So I know what I'm doing with that. And then that's why I have like the co-teachers for sync and stuff. Cause even though I have dabbled in sync, like I'm by no means an expert and I would never feel comfortable like like just selling a sync class or like, do you know what I mean? And and with Spotify, I have like a joint Spotify class with my friend because even though I get like 10,000 streams on Spotify, I'm by no means an expert and I don't Mm -hmm. prioritize that at all. Like I don't care about that. Yeah. Well, I think too, that's like a really noble thing to do now that you've kind of like built this community and you've kind of built the audience. There are skills that you might not be ready to share yet. Like we kind of do the same thing for make pop music. We've had our friend Chris come on and he's done a music theory course because while I can dabble in that and while I can understand what's happening in a song, people kept wanting it and I'm just not able to teach that. But it's like, why should I not use the platform that I've built and not given somebody else an opportunity to share their wisdom? And so I think it's really cool that you're kind of really focused on collaboration just to give 
whoever in your audience the most value rather than you kind of having this like, it's really easy to almost fall into like an ego trip where it's like, people just want to hear what I'll say. I could talk about anything and they're going to listen. Yeah. But you're focused on not doing that. You're. It seems like you're really focused on just wanting to get people the information that they might need to get better at whatever they're trying to get better at. And I think that's really noble rather than just milking it for everything that you could. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I, it's such a nice story. And I know that we've talked a little bit about, you know, like your strategy and kind of your mindset when creating and how organic it is versus, you know, you kind of expect things to happen. But I would love to talk a little bit more about the kind of technical aspect of filming some of the more short form content, because we've gone into filming long form content, like we'll make 30 minute YouTube videos. And I can tell somebody how to do that. But I'll be honest, even me and Miranda, we're not good at like the short form Instagram, like snappy 60 second or, you know, snappy 90 second TikTok. So I would love to hear like what your strategy is for maybe coming up with a concept and then how you actually edit it, schedule that. That's so crazy that because stuff. it's so much easier. You guys are. Yeah. He talks way too much though for like a short video. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I got to fit so I'm much in. I'm not brief. Mm. No, he's not brief. <laughs> I mean, the simple, the simplest way about it is, you know, you think of a hook, you have like the me and then you have like the call to action. So like, I, f I film everything just on my phone and I just kind of like think about things. It's just like being a conscious creator, which I'm sure you do for your long form videos, right? Like, what, what can I make a video about? Like, what do people want? You know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, like the little, I'm, I'm really bad at long form videos, to be honest, not bad at like doing them. Just like, I cannot sit down and edit them. It's just like grueling. Yeah. That's why I have her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even if you hire an editor, you still have to like watch all of the edits. <laughs> so it's like so long. So you're just doing everything on your phone. Do you yeah. find that that kind of like makes it a little bit easier for you to get out con uh, content consistently? That is why I'm able to like bang out so much content. And, you know, it was it was a learning curve for sure in the beginning. But, you know, as you get better and it just depends, like if I'm making like a 40 second tutorial on synthesizers where I'm trying to get like five hours of information and 40 seconds every yeah. single word counts I have to monetize like every single second so I do have to like put some time and thought and energy into that and thinking about the images and all of that stuff but a lot of times I'll do like a meme video I love doing like the meme stuff because I, th I think I'm hilarious <laughs> <laughs> but um and then those take like you know 10 seconds maybe to make and sometimes I get a lot of views and sometimes I'll get a lot of followers because I'm attracting that target audience. So if they think that production meme is funny, they'll probably like my production tip, right? So right. it's like that kind of vibe. So the parallel strategies are right there because I mean, even with the channel, like we try to split all of our content into educational and then entertaining. So like, we'll do the, how, like I'm working on a video for next week right now, like how to make a Taylor Swift song like Midnight's. That's going to attract a lot of people who might not necessarily be into production, but they're going to enjoy that video. So that video might get a couple hundred thousand views. But like you said earlier, that doesn't really mean much if those people are not that interested in production because they're not always then going to go watch how to mix a lead vocal or how to get a wide stereo master. And so being able to kind of have that content for everybody, but then bring in the people who might be interested in seeing your content regularly. It's such a smart thing because I feel like a lot of people focus way too much on one aspect or the other. They're either trying to cast the broadest net possible mm -hmm. or they are so kind of micro-focused that they don't want to have any kind of content outside of that, which is so hard to grow. Exactly. Like I wouldn't do like just Logic Pro Tips, even though my Logic Pro Tips like took off right away. Mm -hmm. If I did mm -hmm. that, I would just be so limiting, but I didn't want to just do that, you know? Yeah. Right. 
do you edit your TikToks and stuff on your phone mm-hmm. as well? Or do yeah. You, oh, really? Yeah. Do you do it like in the app or do you have yeah, like a Yeah, so Premier I'll do Pro? it on like Instagram or TikTok. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And See, that's what I'm so bad at. Yeah, I'm, he edits it on a computer. That's why I was wondering. I film it on this camera, take it into Premiere Pro, like do a voiceover. And so it takes like two hours to do a 15 second TikTok. Yeah, I yeah. think a lot of people do it like she does it though. <laughs> so there's also like a word on the street, which I don't know if it's true or not that like, Okay, so think about it. These apps spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars creating these like video software programs in the apps itself, right? And they are really, really good. So I have this theory that if you use their their products like that they've built, they kind of reward you. So they want you to use the videos in them. So sometimes I'll actually like create the video twice, like once on Instagram and once on TikTok. It's a lot of work. But <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of work. That is crazy. Do you find yeah. that it does better though when you do that? TikTok's tricky right now because TikTok was as at the point where Instagram was like a couple of years ago, where it was like really hard mm-hmm. to grow. I think like TikTok's going through like a shift. But Instagram, yeah. I'm really trying to focus on Instagram right now because Instagram is is doing is blessing me. <laughs> yeah, they're loving the reels. They're loving the reels. They're loving the reels <laughs> and they're there's, I think there's a stronger production community on Instagram, at least right yes. now. Um, I think so too. Yeah. So like I've, I've been doing well on that, but it's crazy because I, you never know. Like, and then apparently YouTube shorts is like a good place to like mm-hmm. repost stuff too and like get in there as well. So short, I think short form, I mean, like it's great that you tackled the long form video because I think that's always going to be a necessity, but right now short form videos is where it's at. So Mm-hmm. I, if any, I know. I, I feel like I'm leaving be- so much on the table. I'm like <laughs> so motivated now. How how many times a week are you posting either on TikTok or Instagram as like a reel? Or- I post every day. Every okay, every that's what day. I thought because yeah. wow. I went and looked and I was like, I see them all the time when you post them, but I'm not on Instagram every single day. And so I was like, I think she's doing every day, but that is yeah. And then on TikTok, when I first started, I was posting three to five times a day. Oh, oh my gosh. So do you film whenever you film like your, do you film in like batches or do you film every single day? It just depends. I'm not a really like overly structured person. Like if I, yeah. if, if it's like one night, I feel like making a bunch of memes, like I will. Or, yeah. I, and like now I'm able to like do a lot of reposting because like I've just made like thousands of videos, right? Then like right. you can repost. So there's that. I mean, you could literally go through your old YouTube videos and just like, chop them up and like talk about it yeah i feel like we're leaving so much on the table like i mean we've got <laughs> hundreds of hours worth of content exactly you just gotta learn how to do it shorter austin you just but you can so literally just be it. like this is one of my favorite tips and like show like a video just like a 30 second clip or a 10 second clip of something you talked about and then just be like what do you guys think blah 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 yeah yeah this conversation's helping me so much. I can't imagine how it's actually going to help people who are you need to buy listening in. It's, it's, I know. Yeah. It literally doesn't have to be like so hard. Like sometimes when I'm making a thing, I'll just I'll just show like my progress or, you know, show a bunch of photos. You have so much content that already on your phone that you can just make a video about, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Like one of my first viral videos on TikTok was like me being like, this is what I did before COVID. And then it was just like me singing at a wedding. And then this is what I do now. I'm unemployed you know, or whatever. <laughs> and it was just like fun. Yeah. And like, does not take that long. Like it just does not right. take that long. So like you just start with that or you can just like, if you're making a video and somebody's talking about like, wow, that trick really helped me. You can just like, just make a video about it. Like, I think I watched one of your videos, the driver's license thing, the building driver's license song. And like one of it was just like having a pedal tone. 
You could just right. like literally make a video about that because that was like my favorite trick from that. Because some of the stuff is so simple that people just need to hear. Like, hey, producers, yeah, right. I'm going to challenge you today to write a song using a pedal tone. Like, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That I, is true. I got to start. I got to start paying a little bit more attention into like the bite size segments because I went to school for education. So the way that my brain works is like, everything that I'm trying to tell somebody ends up coming out in like a 35-minute lesson plan. Yeah. yeah. And so it's so hard for me to just be like, I'm giving you one little tidbit today and that's it. He always thinks that his videos are going to be shorter. He's like, oh, this one's only going to be 20 minutes, babe. Never is. Yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> so like take your video today or the one you're making about midnights and like how you chop up those segments and like every five minutes be like, okay, what's the key trick here? And then you just make a short video about that. And like, I challenge you to make that trick in like 15 seconds or 20 seconds. I love that. You can do it. I believe in you. She believes in you. <laughs> Thank you. That That is wild though. And one of the things too, like you were saying, you, you feel like you have this running theory that like the apps um, reward people who are using those tools that they've paid millions of dollars to have coded. Yeah. And it, like, I also think too, that one of the reasons that we've never been fully able to kind of take advantage of the the TikTok or the Instagram boom in short content or even the YouTube boom because we have a huge audience there is like everything about that is just opposite of what we do on YouTube. Like I feel like mm -hmm. condensing information to be as short as possible is the key. And then like you said, I feel like there's this viewer response to like the more kind of DIY run and gun stuff of like the videos where I just hold my phone up and I record my computer playing something do much better than the ones where I will screen cap everything, do a voiceover. And it's like on YouTube, I feel like people really gravitate to the higher production value, more kind of thought yeah. out. I mean, you just have to think stuff. about where people are watching it, right? People are watching right. YouTube yeah. content on a computer. A lot of producers have a pretty nice computer, so they don't want to mm -hmm. watch like pixelated stuff. Whereas like people on their yeah. phone are just, they want, they want that from there, you know, like I don't have to worry about like super high quality audio because most of the time they're just going to hear it from their phone speakers. So like, right. do you know what I mean? So you just kind of have to think about like where people are wanting, watching us stuff too, you know? I don't think that's what's going to make or break your videos. I just think the, the right. content, right? Like, you know, people will be like, oh, Sabrina, you're just successful because you're a girl. And I'm like, or the way you look. And I'm like, well, I always look this way and I never had 100,000 followers. So right. yeah. it's because my videos are clear and concise, right? Like it's the information. Yeah. You know, we see viral videos all the time of people singing with just their headphones from their phone because the emotion yeah. got across, right? Or the words right. got across or the vibe got across. Like it doesn't yeah. need to sound super professional. So it just, it's always going to come down to like, the point of what you're talking about or what you're the information or the feelings, the vibes, you know. Right. And again, it's little of those hurdles that make me not post content consistently because it takes an hour to set everything up and do it. It's just like, oh, I could just record this in five minutes and I mean it's, it's, it together. there's also <laughs> something to be said about like focusing your time on what you could do. Like I also always right. feel like I'm leaving money on the table. Like I could build up my YouTube channel, but literally every single time I try to build up my YouTube channel, I'm like, yes, I'm just going to focus on YouTube and make long form, long form content. I get sick. Like I just get like ill <laughs> and like, I just cannot like, tackle no. this project. So I'm like, you know, like <laughs> if you're tackling YouTube, like you don't need to also do short form video. Like you don't need to do everything, you know? Right. Yeah. So there's that too. Like, don't feel like for anyone out there, like don't feel like you have to do like every single thing. It's okay to specialize sometimes. Yeah. It's okay to specialize. And like, like for instance, like I'm doing really well on Instagram right now. So I'm just, I'm focusing on that. Right. And then maybe when that dips or when that slows down, cause 
unfortunately, most likely it will. I wish it would never, but like that's right. just how life is. You know, yeah. maybe then I'll be like, okay, now I'm going to spend more time on YouTube, you know? So right. it just like, it always goes into like what's important to you at the time or what's working at the time or what you're having the most fun with, right? Like, mm-hmm. you just got to ride the momentum too. Like there's yeah. no reason to take time away from the thing that you're doing consistently well to yeah. try to build something up if you don't need to at that time. Yeah, and for yeah. sure, like YouTube pays the best still. So you still are making the most from your, you know, if you get a video on YouTube for like 100,000 views, you, you're going to get paid more than on any of the other apps. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't think you should like slow down your YouTube content for short form videos, but I think there are Fair. ways that you can you can do both. Yeah, well, I think we just got to start double dipping. Like Like you said, there's like content that... Maybe people don't want to watch a 30-minute video. Like, yeah. I, I don't know if I always would, but yeah. I'll always watch a 60-second little clip. So, yeah, that's a fair point. Um, have you thought, like, have you noticed that between Instagram and TikTok, I know you said you've kind of gone back and forth depending on which one feels better at a, at a certain time. Do you feel like there have been different uh, kind of conversion rates for people who then go and check out things like your paid courses or your seminars or um, follow you on other social medias? Do you feel like TikTok or Instagram serves one over the other or do you feel like they're both about the same instagram is kind of better <laughs> okay that's what like, i thought i was wondering. I, I was gonna say the same thing because instagram has the bios it's so easy to then go check out the link well, in the bio instagram it's so has easy the stories to- right the stories is right. like yeah. so, like sometimes my like the story i posted yesterday has twelve thousand views right so if i had yeah. a link in there that's like the di- most direct Mm-hmm. the direct path to like selling stuff. And a lot of times I sell stuff just from my stories. I don't even have to make a video. I just take a picture. Hey, my class is 20% off today. Here's the link. And I'll get like 10 sales, right? TikTok right. Yeah. doesn't have that option at that time. But if something mm. goes viral on TikTok, it pays off more than something going viral on Instagram. Right. right. I was wondering too, because TikTok seems like it's almost like a younger audience. So I always wondered if the conversion rate was uh, could be as good on TikTok because typically people who are younger don't have disposable income. So yeah, I was curious about that. Yeah. I mean, I just know from what brands are telling me that like their ads on TikTok are doing really well and there are making yeah. money. And now we see a lot of music production companies on TikTok. So I think like mm-hmm. TikTok is definitely like a force to be reckoned with. Right. For sure. And should definitely not be overlooked. But I just think it's it's just interesting, you know, how, how it plays out. And it's definitely worth it to, to do both, right? Especially since you can post a lot of the same content. So yeah, it's definitely worth it say. to do both. I've had a harder time on TikTok recently, but it will come around. It always does. Yeah. I was just wondering, because as a consumer, to me, it's so much easier to see something on Instagram. And like you said, there's a million places for them to link it, right? They can link it in the post. They can link it in the bio. They can link it on a story. Where on TikTok, it's kind of just like, I have to tell you about this. And then you kind of have to go look it up on your own. You can't, so, do it. You can't link anything on TikTok at all? You can link it in your bio, but they don't like... A, oh. oh, the word on the street is like, TikTok doesn't like it if you say link in bio because they don't want you to oh. like leave the app. Whereas oh, I feel true. like whereas I feel like Instagram is better suited for businesses, kind of. Because yeah. you know, people say like, oh, Instagram is dead. And I think Instagram has changed a lot over the years as it's not just for like your close friends and family, but it's great sure. for for businesses or for artists. And mm-hmm. I mean, like TikTok has really changed the way we make content and it's been really great for musicians because now it's sound on. Right. So now we lead with sounds instead of just like photos or who looks the coolest or who looks the prettiest. So 
It's right, cool. Right. And I, I really believe that like it is really important to focus on more than one platform because, you know, for a couple of days, my Instagram was like suspended. So at least I still had my oh. TikTok, you know. So it's like yeah. there's that. Like you never know what could happen. Like yeah. it mm-hmm. could happen on YouTube, I'm sure, and whatever. So it's always good to focus on at least more than one platform that like if something bad happens, you you have something else or some other way. Yeah, it's very true. We started as a Facebook group years ago and like before we had the YouTube channel really pop off and we had even an okay following on Instagram I literally would have nightmares at night that like Facebook's just going to get rid of the group feature and then these 25,000 people that I've gathered in one place are not going to know where else to find me and so like yeah I do think branching out and having multiple avenues where people can find you is really important because social media is kind of fickle you know the wrong person could buy the wrong app one day and it's gone forever yeah and like you can get hacked there's nothing you can there's do there's so it. many like horror stories and like it is really scary to do that and that's why I don't ever like I know I talk a lot about social media but I don't like just do social media like if for some reason I lost that I could still sing you know like there's so many things like I can do so you just never want to put like all everything in one spot really yeah yeah you can't put all your eggs in one basket for sure because it's too especially if you're a freelancer and there's no guaranteed ever it's mm-hmm. just too fickle I, I learned like one like one of my first cruise ship gigs like this older player was like Sabrina like no gig lasts forever and I this just like really settled with me like I was like okay yeah. so I'm always thinking of like backup plan b c d e not as like oh I'm gonna be a dentist but like okay right. this is what I'm gonna do you know like I think when you work for yourself you kind of have to do that because you never know what can happen yeah, yeah. it's really like, scary maybe I want to just like take six months off and like just make music yeah. right and like I want to be able to like have enough that I could get to that point mm-hmm. do you have like production clients or anything like that or do you when I first started producing I was like in the goal of like, I'm going to get hired for art by artists because I know those pay mm-hmm. really well because I used to be an artist that hired producers. <laughs> and <laughs> right. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then I got my first client like pretty quickly, like six months in. And I, I people ask me all the time, I kid you not, I hated that experience so much. I was like, oh, no. this is not for me. And that's fine. Like it doesn't have to be. For, I was like, I need to figure out yeah. another way to do production without having to work with artists because mm-hmm. I just didn't like it. Like, the facts are the facts. It's very rare to find somebody that works as hard as I do. I've, I've always right. had that like struggle where I will put in so much of the work and they just like can't meet me. Even if they're paying so much money or whatever, like they just can't meet me where I'm at. And it just frustrates me like yeah. immensely that I realize like I just can't do I just can't do that route. And I can't baby people. I, I I'm a cheerleader in my own sense, but like, do you know what I mean? It's It just yeah. wasn't for me. So yeah. If I if one day I wanted to switch to that, I could. But for now, I just like make songs for me. And then I was considering like selling them on BeatStars, but I just don't want to invest my time into pushing those content. Like yeah. I really had to like I was working a lot, a lot, a lot, and I really wanted to figure out like a more work life balance. So it's like I'm just doing this for now. If I need to shift, I will. But this is what I want to do right now. I'm like I'm just kind of focusing on this project you know Mm -hmm. right what I wanted to talk about was like you kind of alluded to this earlier where people give you like disparaging remarks about getting attention because you're a woman in the industry especially being a male kind of dominated or oriented industry what has your experience as uh, not only a woman in the industry but specifically somebody who's making content and kind of putting yourself at the forefront of you know kind of it's not warranted but like people's just scrutiny or their opinions on you when they're not solicited have you dealt with a lot of that or has it been pretty 
clear coasting. So definitely not clear coasting. I do think I get a lot of, I, I don't know because I'm, I'm not a man, so I don't know what it's like to be a male producer, content creator, but I do think I get mm-hmm. people like questioning me more than somebody that's doesn't look like me. But besides oh, sure. that, because that's like assumptions, right? Like if I ever, for a while, I used to like to kind of share some of my experiences or make memes about what it's like to be a woman in the music industry. And that is really where, like, the claws come out, right? Like, if I say, like, I made a meme once, like, men, uh, women, don't let men gatekeep music production from you. Like, I'll teach you everything you need to learn. And for me, I made that point, that video, simply to attract more women to my Instagram because I don't, Mm -hmm. I'm mostly followed by men. So I'm I'm making content for, for women in that sense. And of course, all the men like, that's not true. Nobody's gatekeeping anything. You can learn all the information, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, of course you can learn from a male. But in my experience in real life, you know, like I had never been invited to a studio. When I was in a studio, no no male producer was like, Sabrina, do you want to learn this? Like... (laughs) Yeah. I just had never, right. I had never gotten that invitation myself. Like I had walked into studios with a bunch of dudes that nobody acknowledged my presence. Producers had yeah. asked me for thong pics. You know, they, oh. they would, you, you know, like I've, <laughs> I've had a lot of, Jesus a lot of Christ. bad experiences over the years. And yeah. I just wanted to make that meme because maybe a female would feel more comfortable learning from another female. So like, yeah, but that was when like, it was ridiculous. And like, honestly, I try to kind of stay away from that controversial stuff like recently because it has just like gotten me in like a little bit of trouble. But well, and like it kind of makes people feel like they can get like they still shouldn't. But once you start negating it, I find that like people are then like, oh, well, now I can argue this. Like they're giving me a platform to yeah. argue with them or to dunk on them or to give my shitty harass opinion. them or yeah, just be an <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Uh, no, I can I can say from like being a man in the industry, I'll get like the occasional, and I think any content creator is going to do this of like, who the fuck are you? Like, why should I listen to you? You're not making Taylor Swift records. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Like, you don't have to listen to me, but I don't get a lot of the like harassment or, um, just like people writing me off before they even get to kind of see me. So I, yeah, I was wondering because we're trying to on this podcast, have as many people from as many different kind of communities as possible. So we want women, we want minorities. I don't want every guy on here to just be like a middle-aged straight white man like me. That's just like, got it right down middle America. And he's like, all right, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, controversy that I have to deal with. So thank you for sharing that because I'm sure we'll have a lot of people listen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I wish that we could see more women in the industry and maybe there are. And like you said, they're just not comfortable enough to speak up because it can be, people can have like a really visceral reaction to that. And it's, you know, it's disgusting, but... With the 14-year-old she's influencing, we're going to have more women right. in the industry. We're going to take over this bitch. I think that's so important. <laughs> and that's what they're scared of. <laughs> well, and like you said, it's just, I, you know, statistically speaking, people find it easier to relate to somebody that they have things in common with. So mm-hmm. a 14-year-old girl might not want to watch a video of a 34-year-old man mm-hmm. telling them something like they feel like they're being spoken down to. They feel like they don't have similar experiences. They feel like they don't have similar taste. And so I think what you're doing is really, really important because it's not only are you giving good content as a woman in the industry, but you're also giving it to people at all levels where there's, like you said, you're breaking that barrier of entry. Thank you so much for saying that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, course. and it's also like, I think a lot of people say, if I do a post like that, it's like, well, are you saying like all men are bad? I'm like, no, like Ugh. if you don't do this, then this post isn't about you. 
Do you know what I mean? Right, like, exactly. Then like, it's not about you, you know? When like when you see people like, oh, women, you know, want to buy shop all the time. Like when someone <laughs> says that, it doesn't mean like they're talking about me. Like I don't shop right. all the time. So that right. post isn't about me. That's a post about like the other women that do that. So it's like, yeah. it, I, I just feel like, you know, you don't have to like take it to heart. But <laughs> well, that's my thing is I've always found that like specifically men who get overly offended by just like the generalizations or honestly, most of it's just like, throwaway memes right yeah, of like just of like men are joke. trash men are blah 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 it's like I as a man have never once felt like that related to me because I just don't fall into that category yeah. of people that they're talking about so I'm like I'm like maybe if you're getting pissed off by this maybe you might be one of the people they're referring <laughs> Some to self-reflection right? right? <laughs> like if you're writing me a paragraph about a five second meme I think you need to go for a run or something yeah, yeah, yeah you lost you that you need to one. work that out yourself <laughs> you're yeah. down bad that's the thing too about, I feel like this industry is great and there's a lot of really, most of the people, 99% of the people are great, but I feel like some of the men in this industry can be very like visceral towards women. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like really yeah. crazy. Like I see, in, I've seen in the group a lot of the time, if a woman posts in the group and then a guy's like, this is only, this is only getting attention because you have tits. I'm like, really? That's so gross like, you, that you, you just would say that. that. There's 30,000 people in here that just saw you say that. Yeah. Like why? Are, I don't, it's just... Again, oh, yeah. most of and the like, people the are really great. The best part about TikTok is you can, or Instagram really, is you can respond to those in videos. And right. sometimes they oh, go viral. Yeah. A lot of times my responses have gone viral. I always respond with like dignity in class because like, right. why? But like, you yeah. know, one of my viral, vid like really viral videos for me was um, I made a video about like how you don't need to spend a lot of money for for gear, like you can just use your phone in the beginning and then as you get better, mm -hmm. you can slowly invest. So I Facts. was like, so I was just using like the iPhone speaker, like f AirPods or whatever. And um, mm -hmm. this guy responded, hey, sweetie, my Ew. Newman, he spelled it N-E-W-M-A-N, you, mm. as in wrote out the word Y-O-U, 87, will blow your headphones out of the water, right? So it's like, first of all, don't call me sweetie. <laughs> Yeah, really gross. Second, so then I responded with a video being like, oh, you mean to tell me that your $4,000 microphone is better than these free headphones? And that was it. <laughs> that was the video. And like, whoa, it got like 800,000 views on Instagram. This poor oh man God. who was, of course, like a guitar player. <laughs> no offense to guitar players. Has like three <sighs> guitar playing videos on his page. Got like hundreds of comments being like, hey, sweetie. Hey, sweetie. Hey, sweetie. Just like trolling him back. Jesus Christ. That eh? man just might as well shut down that account. One of the things too that Should I- have been a dick. <laughs> I almost transitioned to this topic earlier, but I'm glad I didn't because we had a, a kind of natural segue come in was- Earlier, when you were talking about you've got well-respected people in the industry constantly reaching out, and this has been something that we've seen with Make Pop Music in the past year, and specifically on Instagram, funny enough, I get way more connections through Instagram than through our YouTube channel or our community. Like, I mean, we're I talking like, because, like huge people. People don't respond to YouTube creators. Like, they don't reach, right. you know what I mean? Whereas like Instagram, you could just send a quick message or a quick DM yeah. or a quick comment or a quick share. And that's why I yep. feel like Instagram has really, like, tackled that like as far as like growing quickly you know mm -hmm. whereas like in youtube like i would never i would never message like even my favorite youtube creators like thank you so much for your content because like that's that's weird i don't know but one of the things that i was going to say is like i was really surprised when because like i said before making any kind of content online you're going to get people that are like who are you why are you in a position to give people this information what have you done with your life blah 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 blah, blah. and it's like yeah whatever like i can normally debate that but it's just a lot of time, but I was really surprised to find out that like 
the more well-renowned or well-respected somebody was in the industry, the nicer their DMs to me were. Have you kind of had that similar situation? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because, yeah, like... I'll get a message from a legend and I'll be like, they're so nice. And then I get a message from some guy with two posts and eight followers who's telling me to like kill myself or something. Well, the thing is, it's like those people are are just jealous, right? Because the Grammy Mm award-winning people know that just because they can write a Grammy award... Not just because, but they can write a Grammy award-winning song, right? But that doesn't mean they can explain it. It doesn't mean they can make it clear and concise. Whereas you can take that Grammy award-winning song dissect it and then teach it to somebody it's a different right. skill mm-hmm. right so it like is, yeah. wh- why are we comparing the two just like yeah just like a grammy award yeah they don't see us as competition like it's not like oh they're gonna take away eyes from me or they're gonna be producing records that i like well that's crazy because it's such a huge industry. yeah the bigger people <laughs> that i meet is like the nicer they are the more they like my content and relate to it or they at least appreciate it like yeah but I mean, it's we're also- talking about people who they don't need to hear what I'm saying. They're like masters, but they appreciate that we're doing it, you know? Yeah. But like some of them probably do want to hear what you're saying because they mm-hmm. might not have dissected their best friend's song like you did, you know? Right. Or like for my case, yeah. like they didn't read the manual on Logic with the newest update. They're just using their same old trick. So like, you know, it is kind of cool for them to see creator. Like we all have something to offer. It's like, not necessarily a competition and the people that are successful also realize like you have a hundred I don't know exactly the number of your subs right now but that's a lot a lot of people watching you and Mm -hmm. you've done something well so those little haters that want to talk crap are like people that haven't done anything for themselves so they have nothing to be proud of so they just have to tear down other people because it's like okay if if you don't want to watch my video then go watch somebody else's video yeah Well, I like what you just said, too, because that's one of the things that, like, I've tried to implement this in our communities and on the channel. And, like, we literally just did a video last week that showed exactly how we make an entire tutorial. And the reason I did that is because I feel like, like you said before, there's a lot of people who will either gatekeep information or they'll gatekeep who should be allowed to share their information. And I feel like it's important for people to understand that, like, no matter what level you're at, people will watch content that you make or they'll listen to you talk about something because of the way that you do that right so like I had I had somebody do a remix on my song that I released in February they sent it to me because they downloaded the stems and it was so good this person has like 200 followers on Instagram they don't have a YouTube following but their production was so good that I was like I just want to release this and pay them and like get this out there because it was so 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 fire but there's a lot of people that would write that off because they'd be like who are they they're just downloading my free stems they don't have any following they don't have any presence or on the opposite if he wanted to make a production tutorial sharing some of those tips they'd be like why should i listen to this guy he doesn't have any songs that have over 2000 streams like who are they well he's super fire and you're not even giving him a chance to share his stuff so i feel like it's really important for people to understand like Go make content. If people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. Maybe that's not for you. At least try. Yeah. And I think it also, you know, like I always try to say in my, I mean, maybe you didn't see it that much, but I lead in, I lead with confidence in my videos. But when people ask me sure. what I'm doing, like I, I'm always transparent. I'm like, this is what I've been doing. Like I have, I'm, you know, I don't try to like praise up the things, you know, I've, I've been producing for two years. If that makes you angry, like sorry. And then I know, like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing in the next 10 years. Like I might get really good. So while you're out there hating, I'm showing up every day and writing something new, creating something new, making something new, and I'm going to get really good. And you're just going to be sad over there. So yeah, sit on the sidelines. Being right. I mean, sad. you said it earlier. It's, it's really, I think just about like transparency and authenticity, right? Like you're not sitting there being like, 
uh, I'm a, an award-winning producer with like all these vague descriptors. And then you're like, I'm going to show you how to make a this song because that's what I have experience with, kind of alluding to the fact that you've worked with X, Y, Z yeah. when you never and have. And in it's fact, like, like people bought Charlie Puth's like course and I've heard a lot of not that great reviews because like just because yeah. he's a brilliant musician doesn't mean he's really great at explaining how he did that's it. Exactly what I said. That's exactly what I said. I was like, I think he's a great producer, but it's not everyone can produce and teach people how to produce. It's a whole skill set. And that's what a lot of the people who are like big producers that have reached out to Austin, that's exactly what they say. Or they'll be like, oh, I learned this from your video. I never would have known that. Or like, I, I, you know, whatever, like they could never teach. Yeah. And it's like, what you and can ultimately do. people are going to say, so, they're going to find something, right? Like, even if you are oh, a big yeah. time producer, like they're going to find something. Oh, you're just, you were big in the, in the nineties. Like you're not big yeah. anymore. Like, or you're just trying to do this yeah. to get passive revenue because yeah, your you just songs care about money. Well and like, ultimately like we do what we do because we like it. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. fine. Like, you know what I mean? I still like creating content. I just like doing this. If you don't like it, you don't have to like it. But at the end of the day, like you remember like who you're posting for, right? Like you're not posting for your friends and family. You're not posting for the haters. You're not posting to prove anything. I tried to not post for the views. Like I don't want to just post for views. I want to post for the people that are going to care about my stuff and also for myself. Like it's a way for me to get better at everything I'm doing. So why not stay consistent with it? It doesn't cost me anything to do it, really. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Well, that was something I wanted to ask earlier and I didn't even get around to it was, do you feel like through making content and through trying to educate people, it also like pushes you to learn new things, right? Because for me, I've I've never been a huge like buy every plugin under the sun, try everything new, always update my techniques. I'm kind of like a creature of habit. So like I'll find something, I'll add it to my arsenal and I go back to it. But with making content, it's like, well, I can't just show people the exact same thing 200 times. I have to keep finding new ways to do things because I have to keep finding information to give them. Do you feel like that's kind of motivated you to just push yourself? Well, it's actually really funny that you say that because the whole reason I started TikTok in the first place was to hold myself accountable to learn something every day. Because I was like, all right, Right. let me just... Let me just make videos about what I'm doing. So I was posting like a creation of the day and then I was posting logic tips. And these are logic tips I was just learning. <laughs> and I was right. like, and I was like, okay, if nobody watches it, this is a like visual diary for me. And I can refer back to my own videos. And then mm-hmm. so it was kind of like killing 10 birds with one stone, right? Like it's right. for me, it's to track my progress, it's to push me and maybe to get some fans, maybe to see in the eyes of brands, learn how to do social media. And that's why I always say like, let social media like work for you. Like if you have a goal to like create a hundred songs in a month, like just film that, right. Or create an album or get song reactions or whatever. So it's like, mm-hmm. you can, you could have it work for you. It's like social media isn't the chore. I'm not like a slave to social media. I have social media working for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's a super important distinction. Honestly, this this is such a great chat. I'm really enjoying having you. I'm I'm honestly learning so much myself. I'm sure yeah. there's going to be a lot of people who learn a lot and who get a lot of motivation. Is there anything else that you kind of want to dive in since you have the floor to kind of share anything that you want? We do have some rapid fire questions we'll dive into in a little while, but is there anything else about your journey or experience or your workflow that you want to talk about to the audience? I would say like, Probably one of the biggest hurdles in the music industry that people don't really talk about is your mindset about it. Like just Mm -hmm. really believing that you are good enough, that you can keep going, that you will get better. You do deserve a seat at the table. 
is one of the biggest things for me that kind of like switched the change, you know, from just mm-hmm. be, feeling like a loser to feeling like, no, I do have something to offer. I just have right. to create my own opportunity. Getting over that imposter syndrome that's just like crippling. Crippling. And like you get it all the time, but like if you don't believe that you're good enough, like how could anybody else believe that? Yeah. Well, I mean, even like you said too, just like finding fulfilling things to do. Like you could figure out these videos do the best. These get 400,000 views every time I do them. So I'm just going to keep doing them because they do the best. But like that might not resonate with that 14 year old girl who you're trying to inspire from earlier. It's, I think it's really important to kind of fulfill yourself before you're trying to just do things because they seem like the right move on paper. And to me, in my experience, that's always been kind of how I get over that um, imposter syndrome. And like you said, just kind of recognizing I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this so I can learn. I'm doing this so I can help whoever. Almost viewing it as like a way of, if I find out a cool little trick, I'm just going to go tell my friend who might be at one room over. Social media is the same thing. It doesn't always have to be the super high stakes thing of like, everybody pay attention. I'm going to show you one trick that you've never, ever heard ever. It's like you found out something cool. You want to share it. I think that takes a lot of the high stakes out of it. And I think that makes the imposter syndrome a lot less imposing. Yeah. And just to remember, like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you doing this in the Mm -hmm. first place? Right. And for me, it's because this is what I like to do. I only have one life as I know, as we know, and this is what I want (laughs) to spend my time doing. So, you know, just uh, that's for me is always helpful. Like questioning myself, like, why am I doing this in the first place? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if your answer is not good, then you need to figure out something else. Right. Yeah. You got to go do some soul searching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did kind of allude a little bit earlier to work-life balance. We don't have to dive too, too into it, but have you have you been working on that and have you found any kind of tips to help you with work-life balance? Because that's something we talk about a ton on yeah. our platform. Um, so like this summer was like pretty intense for me. I was working like 16 hour days, like every single day. Oh my God. And then it definitely took a toll on me. Like I started getting like feeling numb on this side of my body and it was just, it was just like not it. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of people think like, like your health is just like eating healthy and like exercising, but it's actually Mm -hmm. like more than that. Like you go outside and the summers in Vegas are like winters in New York. Like it's, you, you don't get to like, So I I should have like taken a vacation or like somewhere cooler, you know, like just like little things to kind of like treat yourself. But then I'm like, oh, I got to save money or I I can't miss this or I can't miss that. So it's like, okay, well, if if you're unhealthy, how could you continue working? Just like everything cannot be work. And it's hard when like work is also your passion. So you kind of have to like, and when you're your own boss and you're working alone, you have to force yourself to like take breaks. Because like if you were working for someone else, you just be like, I'm off see ya when I see Mm -hmm. ya you know even if you like really like your job but you don't do that for yourself when you're working for yourself so it's really important to not get to the point where you're like forced to take a break that you can like schedule in your own breaks yeah I've been in that exact I've literally worked myself physically sick where I like thought I had the flu or like I'd have to go to the doctor I'd be like am I like chronically ill and they're like no you work too much you have bad posture and you haven't worked out or seen the sun in two and a half weeks it's like oh well yeah I made a lot of money though and they were like awesome you're gonna die at 40 like (laughs) go have a life (laughs) do I have cancer (laughs) yeah literally and like I'm a hypochondriac anyway so if I sit too long in my chair like my neck will be hurt and I'll be like oh great I have bone cancer yeah. for sure I literally and had it's like no dude you gotta stretch for so long I went to the chiropractor and he was like it's okay you're not, you don't need an MRI like you're good we're just gonna like adjust you for a couple of weeks and you're good and it, it did go away but like it was it's scary when you get these kind of yeah. stuff and it's so avoidable that's the thing like 
go on walks, go outside, take vacations, live your life. One of the things that she had to tell me too is like she worked in a marketing office before she came and worked with NPM. So, and like before I started producing, I was... I started producing at like 20. So I was young. I was like a waiter at a restaurant. I worked at a bookstore and I, I was getting like 18, 20,000 steps a day. And so was she. And then she went to a marketing office and she didn't feel nearly as crappy as I did all the time. And she was like, yeah, but Austin, eight hours in a marketing office is not the same as eight hours locked in your studio or in your home by yourself. You're not talking yeah. to anybody. You're not moving. You're not getting up to refill your water. She was like, in an eight hour day in an office, we might work five and then it's an hour lunch. You get and to a couple chat hours with people. of walking around and chat. Yeah, you yeah. have yeah. You walk yeah. around. But yeah. she was like, it's Even not that the same. Is grueling, though. That's the thing. It's like, it's. Like the death. Oh, I they like say, what I do much they say better sitting now. Sitting <laughs> is like um, sitting is like the new smoking. So you just yeah. like need to keep that in mind. And yeah, I'm always like, I need to drink more water. I need to exercise more. I need to like yeah. And it's like this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like I plan on doing right. this for a long time. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't need to try to make all of my money like right now. And it is scary because yeah. we have we do have that fear of like how long is this going to last or I can't do this forever. Mm-hmm. But like we yeah. have these skills. So like let's say both of our YouTube channel like your YouTube channel goes away, like you can do it again. It would be like devastating, but you can do right. it again. Like you've done it. Yeah. You could do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I, honestly, though, it's it's really good to hear that you're paying attention to that because I do think being self-employed, it can be so easy to get into that mindset of like, the more I work, the more money I make, the more opportunities yeah. I have. And it's, you know, I think every freelancer and, and self-employer is going to go through yeah. that at one point. And that's, I was just and that's why say, I try to say that like work smarter, not harder. So like if I right. can make a video mm-hmm. in, in an hour, I, I'm not a perfectionist. Like that's not me. And I'll just mm-hmm. be like, let me just do it. Like this is fine. Even though there'd be things yeah. that like, oh, I would like to change it. I would like to, that was going to take me an extra hour. Like, no, we're done. We yeah. got the next project. <laughs> get it, get it out and move on. Yeah. It's never done. You're never done anyways. There's always another project, another thing. So like, why, why kill yourself, you know? Yeah. You, yeah. you can work eight hours a day and take breaks in between and you won't die yeah. and you won't lose money and you'll be fine. <laughs> and interestingly yeah. enough, like when I'm on vacation and I just post my videos and I don't think about it, they do the best. Same. See, there you go. You don't overthink Same. it. <laughs> Every time I come back from a vacation, I'll work on the best, probably four songs I'll work on for the rest of the quarter until I take another vacation. Yeah. It's just, it's so important to like, let yourself refresh creatively, let yourself refresh mentally, let yourself refresh physically. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really glad to hear that you're kind of keeping that in mind because it's, it's tough to force yourself to take a break when you don't <laughs> really want to. Yeah, exactly. Like you said earlier, nobody works harder than, you know, you're going to work for yourself and if you don't pay attention, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, we've talked about a lot. I've been, loved our conversation. Do you want to hop into a lightning round before we wrap this up? Sure. All right. The first one is the best concert you've ever been to. Mm. I just saw Charlie XCX at Life is Beautiful. And I was it was really cool because I got to be like front row. It was like the first time I didn't Ooh. have anything obstructing my vision because I'm 4'11". So I usually like, can't oh, see anything. No. So I'll go with that for now. That one's really good. Oh, that's a good pick. If you could make a song for any commercial, what company would be your dream to work for? Oh, easy. Logic. That's what Austin said. Austin was like, this is easy. Yeah. I was going to ask, I have you ever used any other DAW but Logic? Huh. Um, not really. I mean, I've used BandLab a bunch, but yeah, no. I mean, GarageBand and BandLab, but right. pretty much Logic. All right. Your favorite dessert item? Ooh, I love I love dessert. So that's that's tricky. My favorite... I don't have like an addictive personality, so it's not like one thing I like all the time. But for right now, mm-hmm. I've been really liking Yogurt Land. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> yes. I All right. That. Hey, simple. It's classic. Like frozen yogurt with like whatever I want to put on it. So good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Load it up. Yeah. Those are the best though. Would you rather read a book or watch TV mm. slash a movie, I guess? I love reading books when I'm like into it, but I have to say like TV probably because I just want to like not think for a while. Yeah. Thank you. I feel like everybody that I ever asked, like, we haven't asked this on the podcast yet, but everybody's always like, I love reading books. And it's like, Fuck, dude, I, just, I don't even read like that. I'll just watch TV or a movie. Like, I'm so, I watch the same thing on TV all oh, the yeah. time. I'm definitely a binge I, watcher. So, yeah. Yeah. What, what are you really into? Like, either oh, right at the now, moment or like, what's a House return Dragon, for you? House of Dragon. Okay. Oh, yeah. That one's so popular. It's so good. We just watched like all of the boys, too. I love, I love like the oh, sci-fi yeah. stuff or like stuff that takes me to like a different universe. So I don't have to like think about my own stuff or right. mm-hmm. like historical pieces, like any like Mad Men or like stuff from like different times. So yeah. I guess right. like the future stuff or the past stuff. Yeah. <laughs> love like, that. I hate no the present grass. stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I already live here. I, I don't need to watch, watch it. I hate watching <laughs> movies on like gun violence. You know what I mean? Cause I, I already yeah. have enough anxiety about that. So <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, you're, like, you're like, I either want to be in a fantasy land or I want to be watching shit that my grandparents dealt with. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. If you could infuse any genre or element into the next trend of pop music, what would it be? I don't know if I feel like I need to have the control on stuff, but I will say I'm really liking this like sped up stuff because I'm like a sped up person. So I'm really <laughs> liking like speeding, even making my own songs and then like speeding them up unnaturally. So it has that like hyper pop stuff. I kind of like that. So yeah. keep going with that, I think. <laughs> I think that will keep going. All right, return of hyperpop and chip tune. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I think we're going to wrap it up. If anybody's listening, definitely go check out Sides on Instagram, on TikTok. Go check out her courses. And, you know, if you like this podcast, go show her some love. Go support her in any other way that you can. Where can people find you? How can people support that we didn't already mention? Um, Just Sides on S-E-I-D-S underscore on Instagram and S-E-I-D-S on TikTok. Or you can just send me an email, which is sidesproduction at gmail.com. Love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We've really appreciated having you. Thank you. <laughs>